in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. All right, we are uh, probably behind in the Deshaun Watson uh, situation because it seems like every few hours there's a new update. But yesterday, Deshaun Watson's attorney made a public response. Uh, his claim is that Deshaun Watson's being blackmailed, or he says that they have evidence that a woman demanded $30,000 for her silence about a consensual encounter. Uh, Deshaun Watson, there have been 16 lawsuits filed against Watson. Um, The details of the worst ones are accusing Deshaun Watson of sexual assault while receiving massages. Um, I I will say this, without having any actual details other than the two lawyers in this situation yelling at each other publicly, 16 is a lot. 16 is a big number that is hard to ignore, even if you're claiming that one of them tried to blackmail you in January. Okay. So I'm going to go down the same road and preface it exactly how you did. I have no idea. Um, Eventually, you know, I'm sure this is going to be going to court. He can bring it towards a grand jury. We'll see what happens in terms of all the civil lawsuits. 16 huge. It's almost like, and again, don't know, but if you're going to try to extort him and you're, you know, this Busby lawyer who seems to love the press and seems to hear, love to see his name in, in, in print, and you get two or three women, you're like, hey, you know, we want 100 grand or whatever the reports are that they asked for. Okay. I mean, does a Busby lawyer have that kind of juice? Now you have 16? I, I don't know. But you're right. The more the, the higher the number gets, if it's one person saying, hey, she tried to extort him. He's a famous athlete. We know he has a lot of money. We're going to try to extort the guy for 300000 or a million, whatever it was. And now you have 16. It's it just out of the realm of likeliness. That's a big number for one guy. And, and by the way, these women are now in different states. So unless Tony Busby, this lawyer, has a lot of connections and is doing this, it, I'll leave it at what you said, Tyler. It's a big number. Yeah, we'll we'll talk to Sam and Ash about this and get their thoughts yeah. on it coming up at nine fifteen. Because the the other part that's fascinating is Tony Busby, the lawyer that's bringing these cases against Deshaun Watson, is like on Facebook every day talking oh, yeah. about it. Which you, 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 yeah, media sure seems wrong. I don't know. Like it's not wrong. Maybe is the right word, but that's out of the norm. I would think for most people that are trying. I don't know. It's just. It's a very bizarre case, and it uh, it's it's much harder to ignore, and it's making it uh, much more likely to believe that Deshaun Watson uh, actually did a lot of these things. I'm out. UNLV is interested in Tyree Iannaccio. He is a transfer point guard from North Dakota. Uh, he averaged 4.1 assists last season. That is the most of any player that is in the transfer portal. And he was a freshman last year, so he still has three years of eligibility left. Uh, is anybody getting excited about a point guard from North Dakota? Well, they need a point guard. We know that. And uh, maybe a really good point guard would maybe convince others, maybe, to stick around. They, I think that some guys are looking at that like, who's the point guard? Uh, so I, I don't, I mean, to say I know anything about uh, Tyree Enchinado in, in, in or Enchinado, whatever his name is, uh, I, I would be lying. But I will leave it at this. 
he absolutely needs a point guard. So it's I guess my my point is I'm not surprised if this is one of the guys he first went and had the portal that this is the position he's going after. And uh, what, what's the name of that offensive lineman for UNLV football you like? Rojas. <laughs> no. Is it not. Oh, Rosas. 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 Is it Rosas? Rosas? To Rose, Jared. Rose, two S's. Okay, listen, Jared. I don't need to know anything until I can buy the NFL jersey a year from now, okay? So at that point, I will say the name correctly. <laughs> Tyler, you were going to make a point. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Not anymore. We're good. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> Trent Brown will make $6.5 million with the Patriots this season. Field Yates tweeted out that uh, incentives could push him as high as $11 million because he'll get uh, he'll get an incentive for every game he plays in. He's got an incentive worked in if he makes the Pro Bowl, if he plays 90% of snaps this year, and there's an incentive for him making weight. So the Patriots are going to give him a certain weight, and if he makes that, he will get a bonus. So Trent Brown's contract, a uh, uh, crafty uh, wording by the Patriots in this yeah. contract. Yeah, Kevin Kruger needs Trent Brown's agent. Uh, he'll get a lot more better incentives. So yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the key one also is the weight. We know what he did here, and he was injured in the COVID. And, I mean, yes, he's a big man to begin with. I get that, but he got to be a really big man. So. I not does not surprise me the Belichick guy is saying you're going to play at this weight and by the way I'll just throw you some money if you do so. If you're the Raiders and and Trent Brown hits all these incentives where he's a pro bowler plays in every game and is making a certain weight, you're looking back at that and you're angry at Trent Brown, right? Oh, sure. I think they're angry at him anyway, but yeah, if he if he goes and plays like all pro level and he drops, you know, 50, 75 pounds, whatever gets him to what Belichick wants him at his playing weight, and they're really good. Oh, Gruden behind the scenes must be seething at that point. Absolutely. Like, why didn't you do that here? Why couldn't you get healthy? Why were you lazy? Why, you know, did, did, were there people in the locker room questioning, are you ready this week? Are you ready this week? I mean, yeah, it, it would drive him crazy, I'm sure. Next question. All right, so we have some audio here. This is a referee in the NHL named Tim Peel during the Nashville-Detroit game last night. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty against Nashville early in the... It was cut off there as the broadcast was going to commercial, but he was mic'd up during the game and said that he wanted to get an early penalty against Nashville. Uh, So, Tim Peel, since this came out last night, the NHL said they were investigating it. Tim Peel will no longer be an NHL referee. He was set to retire at the end of this year anyway. So you were looking at a month or two-month punishment here by him not working anymore. But a uh, big scandal for the NHL to deal with a referee saying he wanted to get a penalty against a specific team. Well, it's not like they had to listen to it twice, but good for them. And the investigation lasted about six (laughs) seconds before they get Tim Peel on the phone. I like that about the NHL. And there's a lot of I don't like about the NHL. So good for them investigating it and getting it done. Here we go again. And look, you know what this is going to do, Tyler. It's already happened on Twitter. Everyone's going to lump every referee into this. Well, they all do this. It's, you know, this is referees are horrible. I've never gone that far. Do I think a lot of referees think like this? Yeah. I mean, if you told me Tim Peel is the only guy who's ever thought this or did this, there's no chance that's happening because there's just too many to choose from in terms of the numbers. But, you know, it's... ah, The thing about it is, I asked you earlier, 
If this happened to the great Wes McCauley, one, would Wes McCauley be dumb enough to talk, talk on a hot mic? And two, would it have acted? Would they have acted this quickly? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, don't I don't know. I think Wes McCauley would be dumb enough. I think no, is the exactly. answer there. Yeah, so, exactly. There was a, a, a study done by 538.com a couple of years ago about penalties in the NHL. And there is a very clear trend across the league that... Whenever a home team has been called for more penalties than the road team, the next penalty is almost always on the road team. That there is a clear trend that referees make it balanced to a degree when they're calling games. Now, that is sort of viewed as a subconscious thing, right? You're, You're in a home arena, the fans are yelling at you for calling penalties against their team, and maybe subconsciously you're looking for something against the away team to make it more even this is a very overt hey i'm looking to call a penalty on nashville which is kind of absurd because i like you don't want you would rather have referees be perfectly fair but we know the human elements involved there and if and if you told me hey home ice advantage is some referees are going to be rattled by the home crowd and call something on the away team i i think everybody would kind of be okay with all right we can kind of live with that if it's subconscious, but for a referee to come out and say, I was looking to get something on Nashville, that's kind of absurd, and that's something you cannot have in the league. And I I think it, you know, I think it's fair to question the NHL and say, okay, how many of your referees are doing this? Because that referee was talking to another referee. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and that's... They should. They investigated him quickly. They fired him. Okay, that's fine. But it shouldn't stop there, right? I mean, you're like, all right, he can't be the only one. I mean, so they got to do investigation. My question to you is: They obviously need a new referee. Is there any chance Tim Peel is replaced by Dave Paul? <laughs> was any chance Paul, Mountain West? Was the he Mountain one of the West refs that leave the NCAA tournament? I I don't believe he was. No, I don't believe okay. he was. I, but then every game I've watched, I don't think I've seen him. I don't so maybe he went to a yeah. steakhouse. Yes. <laughs> God, that's why, hilarious. Why wouldn't you go to a steakhouse? <laughs> Apparently, it's great in Indianapolis. Yeah. Oh, uh, is Tim Donaghy available? I don't think he's banned Ooh. from the NHL. The, he's probably not. The NHL should call him up. Get to see. If oh, he can that's right. Can, can you skate, Timmy? Can you skate? And and. They they are one of the few leagues that like they were one of the first leagues to be like yes we will partner with casinos. <laughs> by by the way, you bring up Tim Donahue. Is it something with the name Tim? Tim Peel? Tim Donahue? Do we just need to ban all refs named Tim? Oh, that's right. That's a bad name right now. It's <laughs> a bad that's name. A bad name. That's a bad name right now to be an official. If I'm an official <laughs> with the name Tim, I might be taking my middle name and saying that's my name. This was not good. I, I, you know, look, I mean, he's probably saying, yeah, whatever, I had two months to go. It's not like he was a 25-year-old guy, so I don't know how much, you know, other than some bad tweets and your name being out there, he's probably like, yeah, whatever, just give me my pension. <laughs> Man, you know, that's a great question. All right, we got some more audio to play here. Jameis Winston is uh, staying with the Saints. Drew Brees is retiring, so Taysom Hill still exists, but it's a question mark as to who will be the next starting quarterback for the Saints. But here is Jameis Winston. It's a tremendous amount of responsibility uh, following up up behind a a guy like Drew Brees. But uh, I I, I embrace that. You know, I I know that 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 is a, a challenging responsibility, but I really embrace that. 
So, does be James weird back Winston, it up. Yeah, does James Winston think he's going to be the starter? Well, as we were saying this, I mean, <laughs> little does he know, Breeze has told Sean Payton, I think he should go with Taysom. And then obviously the next the next video is going to be like, you know, I never did like Drew. Uh, so... Either he's been told he's the starter, or Jameis Winston just really, really likes Drew Brees and is hoping behind the scenes Drew pushes for him. Ian Rappaport yesterday did have a report that Jameis Winston is uh, on track to be the Saints' starting quarterback. Obviously, okay. there's he's a the long only time quarterback between now. on the roster. That's true. The only it's the it's a lot of time between now and the start of the regular season to see if it's Taysom Hill or Jameis Wait. Winston. But if you remember. When Drew Brees went down last year, Taysom Hill was the quarterback, yeah. not Jameis Winston. And, I mean, how do they know these things? Is, is like, Jameis Winston, like, Drew Brees in, in Las Vegas, is he kind of getting the guys together at a park and Sean Payton's in some tree watching <laughs> them throw? Like, how is this guy on the track to be the starter? What have they done? I mean, I, I guess they show up and lift, but, I mean, that's pretty funny. He's on the track to be the starter. It's like, based on what? I, I do, I do want to see... Jameis Winston like took a year off was the backup to Drew Brees and Taysom Hill like I would be fascinated to see him being an excellent starter for a divisional rival from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers like if Jameis Winston and the Saints can like knock the Bucks out of the playoffs this year that right, would be right. phenomenal right yeah all right coming up next Desiree Reed Francois was on with Cofield and company yesterday and we got a lot of details as to how T.J. Otzelberger left and Kevin Kruger became the next head coach. Oh, we got more details. Desiree Francois, she did not uh, take questions from the media at Kevin Kruger's press conference, but she was on with Cofield and company yesterday. Uh, If you want to hear that whole interview, it is up at lvsportsnetwork.com. But... I think the most interesting part of her interview with Cofield and company was that she said she admitted to that as early as February, she was sort of expecting or looking into the idea that TJ Otzelberger could leave UNLV for Iowa State. Now, I'm going to take a personal victory lap because on my website, I published a story about Iowa State fans wanting to hire T.J. Otzelberger back on February 14th, and Desiree Francois said on February 16th is when she had a conversation with her husband about him leaving and her thinking that he would leave. Uh, So clearly, uh, I am the reason all of this happened. Wait, she's a reader. She reads Tyler's website that we're not going to Wait a second. Are you suggesting... At any point in any time, either you and your website or us on this show in mid-February actually said the words that T.J. Osterberg could leave for Iowa State? We did. Wow. We did. Wow. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) So, there was my quick victory lap. Um, (laughs) But more importantly is that Desiree Francois was actually thinking, hey, he could leave and preparing for him to leave because she said that they started vetting candidates uh, before TJ Otzelberger actually resigned last Thursday uh, because TJ Otzelberger went, because Desiree Francois apparently asked him about it. She said they had multiple conversations and said that Otzelberger was very transparent with her about Iowa State being a place that he considered home and Iowa State being a job that would be very hard for him to turn down. So this was, I, we don't know when that first conversation happened with Otzelberger, but 
this was, at least in some point in mid-February, an ongoing process and a long process for Desiree Francois to find her next head coach, uh, which is is fascinating because she had a head coach in mid-February. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, you got to do your due diligence. I mean, if you know that's the one place he's been and, and his wife was a Hall of Famer there and that's where they met and, you know, in a large part it's home, uh, she would be doing a disservice to herself and her program if it wasn't in her mind and she didn't keep asking him. Um so that's what, you know, and I think, and we're going to get to the other thing she said, um, and I know you listened to the interview. This is where, you know, people heard 14 to 17 candidates. And I got texts, and I'm sure you got texts, like, okay, there's no chance. Uh, he left last week. Kruger was hired very fast. No chance he had that many candidates. Well, I don't know if she did or not, but if you're, you know, if you're starting your thinking in mid-February that this is a possibility or a likelihood you know, 14 to 17 candidates can mean a lot of things. It can mean people she thought about, people she vetted, um, you know, actual people she talked to. I don't know what the real number is, but if she started in mid-February, my guess is she, you know, she went through a list of people like most ADs do. Yeah, she. so the, the 14 to 17 number, she said that she had an initial list of 10 names. Now, okay. at what point in this process did she actually present and say, hey, here are these 10 names? I'm right. assuming it was before Otzelberger technically left. So at some point she had 10 names and then she said in the process, they added four to seven more. So that's where the 14 to 17 number comes. The timeline on that, not really sure. But she also said that Otzelberger resigned on last Thursday. She said they got his resignation. I think she said at 6.30 a.m. And at 10.30 a.m. they started their, their first interview with a head coaching candidate. And she said that they interviewed from 10.30 a.m. till about 10 p.m. Uh, Thursday night. So they spent close to 12 hours, it sounds like, interviewing people on Thursday. Now, how many interviews did they do? She didn't say. But it sounds very clear that they were prepared for Otzelberger to leave. They had a list of names. And they talked to probably, I mean, I can believe that they did 10 interviews in one day. Like, I could believe that. It probably wasn't 10. It might have been more like 7 or something like that. But it, it sounds like, based on her timeline, that before Otzelberger even left, back in February or early March, she was expecting him to go. She had a list of candidates. She started looking into him. And then Otzelberger officially leaves, and they officially start interviewing some of the people that she liked. And maybe they interviewed five, six, seven, eight. I don't know what that number is. But that doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility to me. So I am most fascinated, and I'll never get the answer to it, which is uh, the frustrating thing. It's like the Gruden contract. I am most interested in the term, we offered him an extension. Yes. Because that could be, I said, hey, if you stay, I'll go to the president. We'll get you something. That could be, I'm adding two years for this much money. That could be no money, but we're adding three years. I don't have any idea what that means. I don't even know if it was a solid offer or it was just like I said, if you stay, we'll get you an extension. I mean, a lot of times that happens. So we're never going to know that. But that's what she said. They said that she offered him an extension. And yet I don't put too much stock in that because that could mean a myriad of things in terms of what that actually meant. Right. And and that's, you know, a detail we'll, we'll probably we'll never, never get as no. to what exactly that uh, extension offer was. But she said she did offer it. Now, the other part of this is her offering Otzelberger an extension was probably more procedural than anything because she sounds like she knew that he was going to take the Iowa State job. So it, she sounds like she knew that even if she offered him an extension, he wasn't going to stay. 
So that sounds more like a procedural thing more than a legitimate, hey, here's an extension offer. We really want you to stay. It sounds more like, well, I'm an, I'm an AD. I'm going to lose my coach to a bigger job. I should offer him an extension just to say yeah. we offered him an extension. So whatever you want to take from that. A lot of UNLV fans don't like that she offered him an extension because they think he sh- they should have let him go easily. Uh, but ultimately this process, like the, the coaching search process here, I, I, to me, it's fascinating because there are UNLV fans that are mad at how the process played out. But if you compare it to the Dave Rice uh, firing and then the coaching search after that, everybody accused UNLV of not uh, being prepared, even though they fired Dave Rice in January, because that coaching search ended up taking a long time. Even yeah. before, even just hiring Chris Beard took a long time. Never yeah. mind him leaving in Menzies. In this instance... They had a couple of months to prepare, and the coaching search went very quickly once Otzelberger was gone, and people are still mad. It's like they're mad because it took too long a couple of years ago, and now they're mad because it didn't take long enough this year. Well, if you're mad enough because it didn't take long enough, then you know educate yourself on college basketball and recruiting in the portal, and, and then you'll probably be okay with it. You might not be okay with what it concluded with. You might not be okay with who she hired. But in today's world, where you have to get into that portal – and you have to start recruiting, and you have to not only recruit the players in your team, but you have to call Arthur Kaluma. You have to call whoever you sign. You've got to get to make sure you build a roster. You have to do things fast nowadays. Again, you don't have to agree with who she hired, but this is not the, the longer searches happen nowadays in 2021, the worse you're off for it because you've got to build rosters and you've got to get into transfers and you got to start, uh, you know, start getting your team. So I have no problem that it went fast. In fact, if it didn't go fast, I think that's that would be on her. I, it had to go fast. Yeah, and and I, I think like if you don't think Kevin Kruger's a good hire, that's fine. It's definitely fine. a risky hire for you and sure. me. This might it's blow up in their faces, and they might not be any good for the next four years. Right. But I think it's pretty clear Desiree Francois was prepared for this. Like I think it's pretty clear that she was ready for Otzelberger to leave, and she had a list of names. She interviewed plenty of candidates, and for whatever reason it is, maybe there was external pressure of money, but for whatever reason it is. She hired Kevin Kruger because she liked Kevin Kruger the most. And I, I, yeah. I think, again, Kevin Kruger might not work out. And people might be exactly right that Kevin Kruger is not going to be a great coach for UNLV. But I think the process here, I don't think there's any issue with the process. I think the process was was just fine with the way UNLV handled this. Because, according to Desiree Francois, they were preparing since February for him to leave. Yeah, I mean, all, all well said. Look. He's a gamble, and because he's a first-time head coach, and 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 I made the point the other day. I don't know if UNLV, even as bad as it's been, is a program that needs necessarily to take a gamble. I don't think they need to. I think they could have gotten a more experienced head coach, but this is who she landed on. So now, as I said the other day and wrote, it's he gets to prove it. I mean, this is who he. This is it. So he gets to go out and prove whether he can do it or not. And you know, people will be watching closely. I'm sure that didn't didn't like the hire. All right, coming up next. We will talk to Jason Fitz. We'll see if he's uh, at all happy about the Raiders offseason this week. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Jason, how are you this morning? I feel like we do like a weekly checkup on your uh, stability during a Raiders offseason. You know, things are good. I bought a bunch of protein. I'm bulking up. I figure I got a few months. Maybe I got a shot at the right tackle position. I don't know. Free safety. Yeah, free safety, man. Get a safety. Well, you know what? That's probably pretty 
more. I'm five nine and unathletic, so I'm not going to get either of these bad <laughs> positions. But you know, at least it gives me an excuse to get in the gym and see what we can do. You know, maybe maybe just the, the bro hugs in general will get me in with Derek Carr, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, I'll have something going. It has been a it has been a wild week to be a Raiders fan. That is for sure. Uh, so Marcus Mariota, you think he can play free safety? No, my God. You know, there's a moment here where I think what we've lost in the Marcus Mariota conversation, because, by the way, I like Marcus a lot, and I think that it's good to have a very good backup quarterback, and it's $3.5 million. I mean, that's, that's not the end of the world. The question is, why they get guaranteed money to Peterman, too? Like, uh, there are not many teams <laughs> that have decided that they're willing to shell out what's now going to be $4.5 million total for two guys to be backup quarterbacks. Like, <laughs> if, I'm sorry, if you're getting to your third-string quarterback in the game, you're probably going to lose, and that's okay. So you got to prioritize like the the blowback from oh my god we can't cover anybody to oh my god we had to try and win with our third string quarterback. Like I I just think the the playoff season of 2016 is still stuck in people's heads, and as a result, we just want to have 18 quarterbacks. You uh you know him from this time in in Tennessee, and uh, one of the things, and I think you'll know what I'm talking about. One of the things I felt bad about with the pandemic last year, a lot of things, but access to teams because that's the one guy. I think media wanted access to the most, and I know he's the backup. But if you see him yesterday and talk about this, I love Mariota for one reason yesterday. He went to the Honolulu Star Advertiser, and he went on their video, and he told them what he was doing. And that is so refreshing over like, hey, we got to give it to the big guys. He just seems like a dude, and you correct me if I'm wrong, like that probably didn't surprise you. No, I mean, there is, even when the wheels were falling off, on Marcus's career in Tennessee, and, and I covered a lot of it working in Tennessee at the time. And even when health had become such an issue that he just was a liability at the time, there were still guys in that locker room like Taylor Lewan, like big-name guys in that locker room that were adamant that he should maintain the job just because they love him so much. Like He is the type of person people want to fight for. He is the type of person that people want to root for. And, guys, I, I think he is capable of being a starting quarterback. The problem is, is his body capable of being a starting quarterback? And that we don't know. So, you know, for him to come in last year and still be battling injuries, I think speaks to a little of it. But if you talk to anybody off the record around the Titans from some of the years that he lost games, they'll tell you that the injuries were far worse than anybody was reporting. I I heard it from a couple of people that were around the team a couple of years ago that his nerve damage was so bad in his shoulder that he couldn't actually grip a football, but he was still trying to play on Sundays. Like, so he's the type of guy that, A, is an amazing teammate, B, is tough as heck, and C, I think can play. The problem is, you know, he's got to stay healthy. That's a big if. And also, by the way, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a Raiders fan saying, yeah, give him a shot, well, understand that if at any point in time the Raiders decide that their $25 million quarterback can't beat out their $3.5 million quarterback, there are going to be big problems with this team. So, you know, ideally, I hope Marcus gets another year getting healthy. If he gets the opportunity to play, I hope he's great. And I realistic, I, I think I, I, I hope he has a chance to do a Rich Gannon and pull a later career opportunity to go somewhere, play, and be really good. All right, so let's assume he is healthy this year and that Derek Carr is healthy and that Derek Carr is good. Do you think John Gruden should have some sort of Marcus Mariota package, whether it's for goal line or short yardage situations? 100%. If, he, if he's healthy, use him. Use his ability to do what he does, uh, absolutely. And also... Go back and look at his red zone efficiency numbers, especially over the beginning of his career. You're talking about somebody that, for the first, I think, four years in his career, never turned the ball over inside the red zone. So you're talking about somebody that makes really solid decisions when everything's packed in. And I think that's a 
a valuable asset. So, yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, this is a team that, as we said last year, after the draft, after they drafted, you know, Lynn Dowden, they look like they want to be multiple. This is a team that, again, looks like they want to be able to do a lot out of different sets. Marcus would make that difficult for defenses. So, yeah, I'd play him 100%. One uh, one opinion across uh, Twitter this week was, if they don't go to the playoffs this year, Gruden is on the hot seat. Didn't think he'd be fired, be on the hot seat. Is there any chance, no matter what happens, he's on any kind of hot seat after this year? Absolutely none. I mean, I think that's yeah. Peter King and somebody I, I, I yeah. love Peter. I respect Peter. But Peter's wrong. And I mean, could not be more wrong. What, what Peter's doing is applying Peter's logic without putting himself in Mark Davis' shoes. <laughs> and what you have right now, if you're the Raiders, is you have a rock star coach that makes you relevant. Like, how many teams that are eight and eight and you know may or may not be eight and eight next year? I mean, you could make the argument if you if you're a Chiefs fan, you can easily make the argument that this team has taken a step back in the offseason. So, how many teams that are are fighting to be somewhere between six and ten and nine and seven are constantly part of the national conversation? The Raiders are partially because they're the Raiders, but partially because we've got John Gruden. So, you know, I I genuinely believe that the Raiders could go three and thirteen this year and it won't create a hot seat on him. It's at least two years away. Also remember to everybody, coaching contracts are fully guaranteed. So if they decide at any point that they don't want Gruden to be there, then the rest of that money has to be paid to Gruden. So now you're asking a franchise that so far hasn't been able to put a single butt in the seat to pay not only Gruden, but also to turn around and pay another coach six, seven, eight million dollars a year to come over. I, I just, the, the, the logistics don't make any sense. So this is one of those moments where you've got sports writers saying what they think instead of saying what they think will happen. That's a big difference. Uh, give me the, the hypothetical here. How many years in a row without a playoff appearance can Gruden go before he is on the hot seat or gets fired? I think if, if the Raiders, if the wheels fall off and the Raiders aren't in contention this year, then going into the following year, there'll be murmurs. But I think it's, if, if for the next two years the Raiders don't even sniff the playoffs, then in year three of that, so three years from now, would be the real oh. prove it or you're out season to me. I, 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 but I also genuinely believe that we'll see Gruden walk away before we'll see Mike Bar- Mark fire him. Uh, I got to ask you this high speed sports wire coming at you with uh, news right off it. Uh, Mort's reporting. I, this is interesting to me. I want to get your reaction. Uh, he's saying on the NFLPA and, 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 and uh, the owners now, the players want to repeat a 2020 model of entirely virtual offseason and not to do what the owners want to go to OTAs and minicamps. And if they have to go to minicamps, the players want daily COVID-19 testing. Are you a little surprised if this is spot on that the players want a 2020 repeat of entirely virtual offseason? And why do you think that you know kind of would come down the pike there with them? Well, I think this all comes down to the players basically don't want to have to put their body through anything extra, you know. So mm-hmm. what you've got is when you're representing the biggest group of the players, I mean, there were a lot of players that were saying last year, hey, look, the product hasn't suffered on the field, to which I would say, were you watching the games? I mean, uh, absolutely, <laughs> the product suffered on the field. So, you know, I, this, this is a – if you have a, an older football team, if you are the Buccaneers, for example, and most of your guys are at a certain spot in their career and have accomplished a lot, Sure, you got no problem with virtual OTAs across the board. If you're trying to recreate uh, something, if you're trying to create a new culture around a team or if you're trying to build a young team, you need players in the building. I, I genuinely believe that. So, you know, this is a negotiation tactic because, frankly, the NFLPA's job is to make sure that the players are doing as little for as much as possible. So the owners are going to fight this tooth and nail, and, and rightfully so, because there's nothing in the collective bargaining agreement that backs up the players' associations want here. So if I run the Raiders 
and I got to make a choice. If I'm Mark Davis and I got to make a choice between paying for daily COVID testing for the entire season or realizing that I may be working an entire offensive line that never really gets the opportunity to practice the right way. Like, right. yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm paying for those tests all day, every right. day. And, and that doesn't, like, I think we're going to have a real situation here where players are going to have to again make a decision on whether they're going to opt out of the season, depending on how the vaccine takes and where the virus is. But I see that happening way before I see them allowing any sort of all-virtual offseason. Again, it hurt too many teams. How would you feel about Kenyon Drake trying to play wide receiver if everything is virtual in the offseason again? Yeah, that, again, that's you, we can do timing all day long. Like, it, it's so funny to me that there's this weird universe where we praise quarterbacks for going out in the park and playing with people, and then last year we were faulting the same quarterbacks because that was a risk for COVID. But we can do that all day long, but it's not about that. It's about making sure that you've got eyeballs and you've got sort of right in your ear on getting worked into a different position. And if we're going to justify the Kenyon Drake signing at all, it's got to be twofold. One, they want somebody that can get out of the backfield, catch the ball. They want somebody they can line up, and they want somebody that can give Josh less carries. I mean, all of those things make a ton of sense, but you can't do that sort of a massive switch without some sort of offseason, in my opinion. And then not even just that, but look at the wide receiver position as a whole. I mean, I think it's pretty easy to argue that Edwards and Ruggs were drafted to be the future, and that's difficult to do when you don't have normalcy in the offseason program for a lot of players. So, you know, it's important for young guys at, at that position, particularly to have an offseason that is as normal as possible if you want any level of development. Well, and I also think it says they're, they're look, they're going to go to the 17 games regular season. They say it's going to be three game preseason. I've always thought two was enough, but I get now if you're the players, just say, all right, if you're adding an extra game and we're still got to do three game preseasons, that's why virtual works more for us because, again, like you said, it's less time off the bodies. Yeah, and, you know, all of this could be a negotiation to get one more preseason game taken away. But the problem is with the Players Association is that their bark is always louder than their bite. I mean, uh-huh. realistically, every time they've had the opportunity to get to the table and negotiate, you know, I, I am well aware of the fact that whenever you're collectively bargaining and you're negotiating, you're negotiating for the broadest group of your players. I understand that. But the NFLPA has gotten their butt kicked at every single negotiation they've ever had with the owners, So, which includes the new extension of the collective bargaining agreement, which was eye-opening to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's cute that they want to come out and say what they want. But if I own, right. if, if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm looking at the players saying, hey, you had opportunity to protect yourself in the, the CBA negotiations that just happened, and you didn't. So while I appreciate what you want, I don't appreciate it that much, so – who cares? I mean, that, that's just the real other side of it. Like, at some point, we have to take our fan hat off. We even have to take our human hat off and look at everything just from a business side because that's what both sides do. Like, players will tell me all the time that it's not just a game. It's more a business. It's how they run their business. Well, it's a business for Mark Davis and Jerry Jones and, uh, you know, the Kraft family, too. So business versus business, billionaires versus millionaires, we all know who wins. Well, he is Jason Fitz from ESPN. Again, follow him on Twitter at Jason Fitz. Jason, we appreciate it as always. Awesome stuff, brother. Appreciate it. You guys are right. I've thought about it. I'm going to switch to safety. I don't really have great wheels, but you know what? I can stand here, clap, and communicate. So I feel like that's better for me. John Lynch. Lay off the protein. John Lynch, lay the hammer. (laughs) Take care. Y'all have a great week. See you, man. Ah, safety. Safety or wide receiver? What would be? Well, you could be an right undersized safety. Right, I, I give you a choice right now, Tyler. You can be an NFL safety or a wide receiver. I think you're taking wide receiver, but what do you think? 
Oh, wide receivers are the ones that get hit, but they get yeah, paid more. Yes. So I think I'll, I think I'll go wide receiver uh, and see yeah. how many years I survive. You're going to have to wear that helmet that Wes Welker had designed. Yes, yes, I yes. will wear the the helmet that is twice the size of a normal helmet. That is absolutely I, true. I'm going to take a cut and pay and not be either and just be Deuce's assistant. Oh, gosh. That's not on the table. Deuce <laughs> is already not. the assistant. Deuce has well, an assistant? Yeah. I thought he well, was the assistant. The assistant <laughs> want to be. The assistant to the assistant. <laughs> yes, yes. That poor guy. I get I Deuce's assistant a, uh, a protein shake. <laughs> All right. Uh, we need a new Sharp. Oh. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. This is your chance to uh, make a pick, go on a streak, and show us you're smarter than anybody else that listens to this show. 702-364-1100. 702-364-1100. It's time to find the Sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right, we got a new streak starting. Well, hopefully we've got a new streak starting. I guess you got to win first. Uh, Robert is here. Robert, what would you like your first pick to be? So I guess my question is, uh, can it be in any sport that's going today? Any sport that's going today. Yes, it can be. Okay, I'm going to do the Minnesota Wild. Minnesota oh. Wild. All right, wow. so let's see how we want to do this here exactly. You Do you want them just to win, or do you want them on a puck line? Just to win. Just to win. All right, we'll let you do that, even though they're favorites. That's fine. That, Minnesota that, Wild to win. We're not too worried about it. All right. They're so substantial favorites there. They are. They are. Minus 260, but that's yes. okay. We let somebody pick soccer when they were minus that's 700. That's true. So we're not worried about it. All right, so Minnesota Wild to win is your bet. If they do, we'll be talking to you again tomorrow, Robert. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. Right. Robert, you also get Gonzaga plus 15 in the Sweet 16. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll throw that at you. Don't bet against Gonzaga. Everybody who bets against Gonzaga loses. <laughs> no, I know. They always cover. They Just always stop, cover. Always. Stop trying to think they won't cover. <laughs> um, important news for the most important team in Las Vegas, Ed. Lights FC uh, knows when their home opener will be, and it'll be on June 5th. Cash Soccer Rockers the, got a date. Oh, they'll play the Tacoma Defiance home opener on June 5th. Now, what's actually fascinating about the USL season is that it's going to start on April 24th, meaning Lights FC is going to play a month, almost a month and a half worth of games before they play a home game. And part of the reasoning behind this is that Cashman is being used as a vaccination center. So Mm -hmm. they're sort of kicking the can down the road of when Lights FC will actually play a home game and scheduling around the uh, vaccinations that are ongoing at Cashman. But that's actually a really good thing for Lights FC because the USL as a league runs on ticket revenue, right? They don't, right. that's where they make their money is people show up, they buy tickets and they buy merchandise and whatever else they buy when they're at a game. That's where they make money. And so if you're a USL team, you probably, you would probably prefer to have the first half of your season be entirely road games. And the second half of your season be entirely home games because you want as many home games later in the year because that's when you're more likely to be allowed to have 
a higher percentage of crowds or even maybe 100% of crowds, depending on what state you are and how well we are into the future of this. So it's actually a good thing for Lights FC that they're going to go a month, almost a month and a half without playing a home game. Is this Tyler, the radio sports talk radio host, or Tyler, the uh, season ticket holder who wants this? Um, well, the season ticket holder just wants home games now, like they normally would be playing now. So I want home games now. And I think I'd be able to get into the home game as a season ticket holder, even if they were playing now, because you can actually have some fans. So I'm not overly concerned with it. I just know for a league that, uh, a league that doesn't have much money and played last year with no fans, uh, getting any sort of fans in there is good for those teams. So Brett Lashbrook can make money while not paying any of his players because LAFC is paying them all. Are you shocked, because I am, that Lashbrook hasn't found a way to do a two-for-one? Come to the game, we'll let you cut in line for the vaccine. Like, you go get the vaccine, and after you get the shot, they put a they put a scarf around you. You wait your 15 minutes. Then you, like, get into the game for a free soda or something. How has Lashbrook not come up with some kind of two-for-one uh, you know, scheme to let you cut in front of the line, get your shot, and then get into the game? I mean, Moderna come on, that's, that's, and Haritos. Cool. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's set up for him. We, we, we can't be helping this guy this much. Come on, man. He's got to be thinking of these things. Come on. Get the vaccine. Can, can, you, see, the game. can you see an entire crowd of Lights FC? They can't cheer because they're rubbing their arm. Like yeah. they, they can't Everyone, stand up and cheer because their arm hurts. Yes. Everyone's like, okay. I can't I can't clap. They scored, but I can't <laughs> yes. clap because this arm can't move. All My right, everybody. We're going to do the wave, but only with your non-injection <laughs> arm. Uh-oh. So, hey, okay. There it is. So what 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 Lashbrook needs to do here is so I, from from what I've heard I have not been to Cashman for vaccinations I've heard there's okay. there's it's a long wait there right uh, my day I was out in 15 minutes and then since in the last few weeks and maybe it's people going back for their second shot along with their first the lines are very long so I go later this week and I'm not looking forward to it, but uh, yeah I think they're getting longer and longer because now people are going back for their second while some people are getting their first. So as they're in line, you know, cash the soccer rockers just sort of wandering yeah. around and handing out <laughs> tickets. Say, there you go. Come on in. You, while you wait for Wearing your Wearing his enormous mask. Yes, <laughs> he does have an enormous mask. It's the size of a tarp. Um, just come, instead of waiting in line, come watch a soccer game and then come uh, get your vaccine afterwards. Get your shot. As long as Cash could get past the National Guard, who seems to be, who seem to be at every entrance and exit to Cashman and the vaccine. Uh, but there's got to be something Lashbrook can do with these shots. Come I'm on. waiting to to go to a lights game and see people lined up being like, is this where we get the vaccine? Why the <laughs> hell is there a soccer game yeah. going on? <laughs> oh, Just T-shirts and everything, confused. man. Oh, oh. Lights. You know, if, you, if, you, uh, if he had a deal where you take your ticket stub the next day, to yeah. Cashman to get a vaccine. Yeah. To get vaccinated. To skip the yeah. line. Yeah, I think yeah. he'd he'd sell a lot of tickets if he could do oh, that. Man. I don't know. I don't know if Lights FC is high on the priority list for giving people the vaccine. <laughs> Have the Lights FC made the tier that they're on right now for the priority list? It is uh sixty-five and older and lights FC ticket holders. Yes, exactly. Those are the uh priority groups to well, getting yes. the vaccine. If you're a Lights FC ticket holder, you deserve at least one win. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Does that mean you only get one shot, Jared, instead of two? Yes, exactly. Oh, the Johnson & Johnson? 
Yeah, oh, yeah. you get that one. Oh. That's right. They're That's the thing. Shoot. If they win, they give you the Johnson and Johnson, so you only get one shot. Oh, God. That'd be great. Oh. 